Well, hello, Strategist Podcast listeners. You might be thinking to yourself, listen, what is this episode? I I thought these guys were just skipping every other number. Well, turns out you are wrong, okay? As much as we like to fuck with the numbers, we record episodes for Patreon every week, every Thursday or Friday or whenever we feel like it, to be honest. And this is actually one of those episodes. It's coming out a few days later on our normal feed, but it gives you a sense of some of the things we talk about on our Patreon episodes. We feel like we talk about things other podcasts don't. Uh, maybe the stories are the same, but the angles we think are unique and different, and I think this episode maybe reflects that a bit. Uh, listen to it on the house. Maybe you'll like what you hear. Maybe you'll hate what you hear. And in that case, I've stolen an hour and 10 minutes from you, and that makes me very happy. In fact, it makes me happier than if you would have liked the podcast and would subscribe to it, uh, the Patreon, that is, on strategistpatreon.com. So take a listen. If you like it, subscribe. If you hate it, I took an hour of your time, and that will make me so happy, especially as you listen on a long weekend where you should be with your family. Bye. This is a strategist episode 1257. My name is Zane Belger. With me as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan. Guys, it is Thursday, October 5th. I don't know. I, just, I feel like I just give the date now. That's good. That's very good. It's well, very CBC that, to me. It kind of it's very limits the long-term appeal of the episode when you do I that. Never said I never year. He didn't you know. give the year. I didn't, didn't give the year, the year of our, of our Lord yeah. and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, peace be upon him. Jim Caviezel yep. will be always be my Jesus. Jim is my Jesus is what I say. Okay. Yeah. What? Am I not allowed to say <laughs> Jim good. is my Jesus? Carter, are you a big Thanksgiving guy? Nope. Yeah. Corey, are you a big Thanksgiving guy? Nope. Jim is also my Can Jesus. I tell you why? Yeah, tell me. Okay. Can I, I know you I, why I'm not I, a no, big I forgot. I forgot it's Corey. He's probably thought yeah. through something with his quasi-intellectual. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's it's not very intellectual, Zane. It's It's a turkey-based holiday. Like, how much enthusiasm am I going to have for that? Carter, turkey, top five... Top five chutney in my mind. Yeah, I mean, uh, you need lots of chutney. Like no, no, turkey is, chutney? turkey is the chutney. To go, if you have turkey the is cranberry the chutney. chutney, then it, you, you it put a turkey out. chutney on your plate, and it makes uh, everything go a yeah. little smoother. You it's, know, it's a tragic, it's a tragic holiday. Really. Hey, bud, what's going on with your microphone? Yeah, it's terrible. But here's the thing. Do you remember last time when you said to me, "Hey, your microphone doesn't work. You should probably do something about it." No, yeah, well, you, oh, that okay. was like on the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the train, and then I thought to myself. What the fuck does Corey know? And I didn't change it. So you didn't do a thing. No, I mean, okay. why would I? And it's not like I wasn't at the Apple store all last week buying myself a brand new computer because that's exactly what I've got. Does it take you that long to buy a new computer? Uh, well, there was multiple mistakes made. You probably uh, shouldn't have worn a blue shirt and khakis when you went shopping there. I'll tell you something. People were super unhappy with my answer. <laughs> I'm like, genius? Yeah, that works for me and uh, did not work for them. And yet you came back every day, not getting a cord, I see. Well, no, not getting a cord. And then I had the wrong computer. And then uh, I went back and didn't get a cord. Man, you're the... really easing into your age. That's great. That's, yeah, folks, no, that's what happens when bad. I get out of the way. You get stories like <laughs> blue shirted khakis, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure is the best buy uniform that you're referring to. <laughs> Just so we're clear. <laughs> I just so I wouldn't know, have a chance. I don't know wearing a Best Buy yeah. uniform at the Apple Store, which would be very Carter of him. 
when's the last time anyone needed to go into a physical store? You know, it just feels like... Uh, Let's move it on to our first one. I don't have time, fucking time for this. My I'm at 45% on my computer. Let's move it on to the first... Yeah, I'm also dealing with a clock of my own. A mess. Yeah, this is a mess. We're a gong show. That's yeah, good. Uh, give us your money, by the way, people. Uh, keep doing it. Our first segment, Carter, the cost of living politically. I have three topics on hand, and I want to ask you guys, the political cost of them, uh, they've emerged in the news. I want to talk about the sure. specific story, but I want to talk about then the broader story as well. Carter, let's start here. The first story. We have Pierre Polyev now uh, through sources and, and reporting by Radio Canada. They've talked to multiple conservative sources that are saying Pierre Polyev is going to be temporarily mealy-mouthed on the entire gender identity parental rights issue. They really don't know where to go with this particular file. Do they take the lead of some of the conservative premiers and follow their step on defending parental rights? Some premiers defending it to the nth degree, perhaps even bringing out that notwithstanding clause. Or do they have a more tamed response on it, um, per se? But Carter, the question I have in this segment called The Cost of Living Politically, is what is the political cost of the public seeing your calculus? Or the public seeing you calculate this, of this leak coming out through multiple sources saying you're actually not just engaging in conviction, which was the Pierre Polyev brand, or one of the brands that he said he was mm-hmm. going to bring, but that you actually have calculus in you and that you are calculating on this particular file. So the, co- the question around cost, Carter, political cost, is around what cost do you play, pay when, when, when people see you making political calculus open in public and see that sausage being made? Well, this is really interesting because I'm, you know, I wanted to respond that some issues are beyond politics, right? Some issues are more important than politics and standing up for children's rights is, is probably first among them. And then I kind of thought, well, is that my own political calculus, right? Like, uh, is, am I just taking a position that I know will have certain resonance within the audiences that, that we're talking to tonight? Yeah, sure, sure. And or that you care does. about. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. And, and so my own political calculus has been conducted. My political you know, language is set so that I offend the least number of people or I inspire a certain subset of it. The, the challenge is when you allow it to be seen, when you allow it to be seen, then it takes away some of the, the value of the action. So, you know, weighing it um, shows to the, you know, the, the far right that they, you, that you're not a true believer. Um, you know, taking these kind of half steps shows the other sides that, that you're, you know, you're also just kind of waffling for political gain. So most of the time we don't want to show our political calculation. We just want to um, execute. And most of the time we're able to, but uh, this one seems to be stumping a lot of people. Yeah, there's a specific question and a general rule, right? And I want to hit on both of them. Corey, your reaction to this. The cost of of people seeing your political calculus. You're talking about the cost. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you there's also a benefit. I think they want to show the calculation on this one. Mm. I think where they're going to end up is a situation where they say something to the effect of the conflict we feel is the conflict Canadians feel. We are unsure about this issue. It makes us deeply uncomfortable how far this has pushed against parents' rights to be involved in their children's lives, but it also makes us deeply uncomfortable uh, to do anything heavy-handed when we know there are children involved and we know there are legitimate reasons for uh, you know, for better and stronger protections in this space. And, and yes, you saw that conflict 
conflict at our convention. You probably have seen that conflict at your Thanksgiving table as people come to this well-meaning with very different views. So as conservatives, we're we're not sure. So let's talk a bit about principles. Let's talk about the things that we believe in. We, we believe in protecting children. We believe that parents know better how to raise their children as a general rule than anybody else does. And you know, I could easily see Pierre Polyev actually spinning out a message track from that conflict. I don't think the conflict hurts him. I don't think the idea that he's going to rag the puck and flip-flop and be mealy-mouthed hurts him if everybody thinks that's the strategy. And so, you know, there are some benefit to the calculation being exposed bare there. So the next round of... uh you know, articles about Pierre Polyev giving deeply unsatisfactory answers about this will say, oh, yes, but that's his internal strategy to manage these forces. Look how clever the man is, right? Like, it, it's like meta. Yeah, it is meta. meta. I was just, it's I was, a game was upon a game. But I actually don't it's, believe it's, for a minute they don't want uh, us to know. But a game upon a game this. only if you are right. That that they yeah. land on this, they land on this deeply conflicted quasi-empathetic or fully empathetic response. If they don't, and they pick one of the two lanes being contemplated, it's a different outcome, is it not, Carter? Well, I mean, Corey's imagining this scenario where they think like this. Um, I mean, it is compelling. I have to to agree. That is very compelling, Corey. Like, I could could buy that. But that's me. It's just not. You don't think so? It's... No, because Why? sometimes, well, because sometimes complicated things are actually really simple and they just generally don't know how to do this. There's a large subsegment of the population that they want to get in the next uh, the next election that feels that this is a bad thing. There's a large population of people that they currently have that think it's a bad way the other way. So sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. It's a simple, it's a simple problem with a uh, political calculus attached to it. Pierre Polyev's not trying to, to game the system to come out ahead of it. He's tr- simply trying to figure out what's in his best interest, as Pierre Polyev always does. And you don't think for a minute that he would see it in his interest to have people think that his lack of satisfactory answer for either of those sides is actually him doing some brilliant Solomon-style balancing act? Like, you don't think... I, I mean, literally, it's a Solomon-style balancing act here. Like, like people have been doing this for thousands of years. The yeah. idea that they're they're the ones who are like, geez, it's tough, you know. Uh, I guess I'm just going to have to cut that baby in two. Yeah, I mean... It, oh, that's the... That was the point okay, of that no, story, just, right? Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, no, like, like flipping through my Quran here. I'm like, well, why Solomon? <laughs> I don't think I know that character. Uh, <laughs> good story, guys. Yeah, no, I, by the way... Um, it's fine, Corey. I was going to mention some new merch based on the Quran, but I don't know if I'm going to. That's going to get me in trouble. Um, Whoa! Look at you showing restraint. Yeah, that's What's amazing. New? On the okay Patreon, signed versions of the Quran two. will be available at thestrategist.ca. Well, of course, all three of us will be will be happily signing the front page. Uh, Corey, I have to ask you on this though: Is there a general rule on showing political calculus? Because you've made a very compelling case. Carter would disagree, but you made a compelling case that perhaps there isn't. That, that, you know, the, the conventional wisdom around any time you show your calculus, to Carter's point, there is a bit of a downgrade. There's a bit of a, uh, they're, it's, they're not doing it out of a place for conviction. Do you think there is like a, a set of rules or parameters around showcasing your political calculus? And if so, what, what are they? Well, um, we have talked a lot in the past about how the process story has become such a part of political um, reporting, 
people want to talk about how things happened. We, you know, maybe we'll get to Wabkanoo's massive, well, massive historic victory. Mm-hmm. I mean, massive in the historic sense in Manitoba. Uh, the process stories that came out instantly about that and sure. how our our friend Brian Top was involved behind the scenes and all of that and how it works. People, there's a certain class of political observer who wants to read it like a sports match, right? They want to understand the conditioning that went into it, the strategy that went into it, the X's and O's of it all, right? Even though the majority of people who watch sports are just sort of watching it and getting wrapped up in the excitement there or or capturing the thrust and the parry. And I think that people have sort of decided, and it's become normalized over the past many, many decades at this point, that we don't hold it against politicians that they calculate. Mm. Unless that calculation in some way, shape, or form um, betrays them as an overt hypocrite, right? So it would be one thing if you were sitting and calculating like, oh, geez, do we put our healthcare policy in the window or do we put in the window our policy on education. Like we could do either and, you know, we could go after voter segment X or we could go after voter segment Y. But if you're saying, uh, geez, I don't know if we should say that the, you know, the country will fall apart if we don't have private health care or if we say the country will fall apart without public health care. You know, like when you start like making such dramatic and mutually exclusive decisions and it all becomes about the calculus, that's where you run into trouble here. And you could make a case that this is Pierre Polyev trying to do that, but I think he'll actually try to find a middle ground. We, we live in these absolute times and people do tend to immediately go to a corner and say, it is impossible to have any view but my view. But I do believe, and the polling somewhat backs this up, and we've talked about this a few times, Canadians are actually a little conflicted on this particular matter. And, and there are very strong righteous positions that get taken. And frankly, I take them too. I think we need to protect trans kids. And I'm not morally ambiguous about this particular issue. But when you look at most Canadians, most Canadians do not have moral clarity on this issue. So I don't feel that this falls into that category. And I actually think that's the opportunity for Pierre Polyev. And I think that's the trap for his opponents. Because that moral clarity that so many of his opponents have is not going to work for them in the court of public opinion. You make a good point, Corey, around that that lack of clarity Canadians may have. And it's not from one Canadian to the next. To illustrate the point, you're probably talking about like an internal conflict that people have themselves. It's not just yeah. you and your neighbor or you and your partner. This just it's it. the I'm internal not conflict, yes. I'm not saying somebody is like X, madly on yeah, one yeah, side yeah. And, their, and their next and we're neighbor 50, is madly 50 on the country. other. Right, right. That's not we're what 50, we're talking 50 about people. Here. Yeah, We're internally. talking about... You know, and just as uh, Suleiman Ibn Dawood would say, right? Like sometimes you gotta, you gotta find that middle ground. Oh, so he would say it a lot. Oh. He'd say it a lot. Wow. He'd say it what a lot. I wish like people that. could see Zane smile oh, right now. I yeah. mean, <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna sell that one passage from the Quran. Um, yeah, that's good. I like that, Carter. Hey, Carter. Corey makes a compelling yeah. point. I think he does. You s- no, he doesn't. Tell me why. No, Tell he me doesn't. why. He, he my, I was try, I was trying to get the rules. Simply. I was trying to get the rules of political calculus. Some, is the rule to yeah, constantly minimize it and not showcase it? He's given me. He's actually changed my mind in the bias I came in asking the question. Uh, I don't. T- I don't think that there's ever a time to show a weakness on a moral issue. Um, and a weakness is to is to be like, well, there's good people on both sides, right? Like. Corey's taking okay. the there's good people on both sides argument. And I just don't think that in this particular case, either side, and keep in mind that, that this isn't, you know, this isn't a situation where he's trying to appeal to just one side. He's trying to appeal to both sides. And both sides are going to be put off by his argument because his argument fundamentally betrays the values 
of the sides that he's trying to 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 speak to. And that's where, you know, this I just think that it's simpler. I just think that it is a simple calculation designed to try and figure out how they can get the most voters and, um, you know, play the issue um, the best possible way for them. And that's that's politics. And you're saying, and even, I don't so, think that so to it's be clear, compl- Carter, complicated you are that. saying even if that calculus lands them in that exact same balancing act that that Corey alluded to. Yeah. That that is still not going to get him the political points that Corey was saying that he would get as a result of that conf- no, internal conf- confliction uh, that he's been talking about. I don't know who this mythical audience is. I mean, who's the mythical audience that, that Corey's alluding to? Who's the group of people that are doing it like three dimensional chess? I mean, sure, that's Patreon. not what's that's not what Our I'm Patreons saying. Patreons are doing it, but I mean, everybody else is looking at someone who can't find uh, a moral position to save his life. No, look at the polling on this. People aren't really sure what their moral position is. And insofar as there's any clarity from the polls, it's probably that the idea of parental rights is more popular than we would perhaps like to to believe. And so what this is would be Pierre Polyev offering himself an out and an ability to deprioritize this issue. And we talk about sword issues and shield issues. Mm -hmm. And this would be a shield issue. This would be him saying, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. Honestly, he may find it personally conflicting and and complicated himself. And so why in the world would he not actually just sort of speak that out, put it to the side and say, this is all, we're only in this position because Justin Trudeau has moved us into this era of distraction politics. Meanwhile, it's harder than ever for you to buy a house. Meanwhile, this country's GDP per capita has actually declined in the past 10 years. Meanwhile, meanwhile, let's talk about how we get rid of the gatekeepers, get this country back on track because the dream of Canada has to be one available for the next generations. We're sitting there and arguing about, uh, you know, this particular issue. Meanwhile, the the issue of children coast to coast to coast living in a poorer Canada than their parents is being unaddressed. Like, I think that's very compelling to many Canadians. No, sure. That's great. But that's a, that's a decision. What you're saying is you're holding up the process of not reaching a decision, right? Like, it's not a binary decision. There's three decisions on the table for Pierre Polyev. First decision, support children's rights. Second decision, support parents' rights. Third decision, this isn't our issue. We're going to go a different way. What you're trying to do is portray, you know, a lack of decisions and indecisiveness between option one and option two. And and, and hence why Corey believes exposing this strategy publicly is part of his part of the account. It undermines even his third, even the example that he's giving. I quite quite like his, his strategy. But by showing how that particular sausage was made, by showing how he is avoiding the issue and going after things that he thinks are more important, he is undermining his position regarding the first issue. He's making the first issue the the, the first step to the second, to, to, the, the, to the positioning that Corey created. Just go there. Don't show the fucking sausage. Well, no, 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 no. So this is where I, let me try to bridge this back here. I believe he wants people in the pundit class, including us, to be talking about the fact that they're conflicted in the conservative party so that when he makes a bunch of unsatisfactory statements and doesn't go there because he doesn't want to go there right now, we can all say, ah, yes, that's Pierre working on his strategy, not I. Pierre doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do personally right now. And so it all feeds into a broader view of how he can approach this issue. I, I am... Fairly oh. convinced they don't mind at all that we think the Conservative Party is in nonsense. That is that is interesting. I'm going to leave this there. 
I've got a second one I want to talk about in this banner of cost of living politically. Corey, I'm going to start with you on this one. Leslie Church, who was the chief of staff to Christopher Freeland, has left. She's got a new chief of staff, former Kathleen Wynne person, seems eminently qualified to take on the position. That's another story. Andrew we'll talk- Bevan, yeah. Yeah, we'll, take on that. We'll, t- we'll talk about that later. Um, I want to talk about, less about Leslie Church. She seems very qualified for what she's about to do next. She wants to seek the nomination in Toronto-St. Paul, as a liberal, of course. She's been with the Trudeau government since 2015, longtime liberal. I want to talk, Corey, about the cost of having staffers, especially senior staffers, run as candidates for your party. Mm -hmm. And we've probably seen this cycle in our universe of Alberta. I'm trying to actually recall some examples, and I couldn't couldn't think of any. I'm sure you probably have some... Rod Love immediately springs oh, to mind. Okay, sure. Yeah. But there is there is a Spencer worked for uh Shane Keating. Ryan some... Top, who's already come up this episode, ran for leader oh, see, of the look, NDP. You guys are you guys have gotten more examples than I than, than I was uh, racking my brain for for four seconds before the show started. Um but <laughs> there has to be there's obviously benefit, but there has to be a cost. And I want to explore the cost of what yeah. what the cost is of having senior staffers at senior levels of your government wanting to be humble candidates uh, at some point. So, And you you may even get where I'm trying to go in in some ways, Uh, Corey, but give me your take, because you might diverge with me a bit. So this is super fascinating. I used to think that the parties really diverged in their views on this. And I often thought of staffers becoming candidates more of like an NDP thing, frankly, Mm. right? Yeah. I perceived it as, well, you do this and you move up in the organization, you become more of an organizer, and then you run and it's all part of a continuum of of social democratic politics. Like yeah, that was much yeah. more common in my view in the NDP. And it was far, far less common with the liberals in my view. And I'm sure people can find counterexamples all over the place. But generally speaking, if you wanted to have a liberal nomination be taken seriously, you wanted to go and do something. And maybe it was just I say just, but maybe it was be a lawyer, maybe it was be a business person, maybe, 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 but you'd go do things and you'd come back and you'd get a liberal nomination. And so the arc for the liberals was much more often staffer, career, come back to be a politician. So much so that when a very good friend of mine in 2015 was thinking about going to work for the liberal government, mm-hmm. uh, he said to me like, hey, do you think I should do this? And I said, well, you you want to run at some point, right? He said, yeah. And I said, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like if you want to run, you go and do this, right? Like yeah, People yeah, yeah. like to think it comes from... I now think that advice was totally wrong. We've saw, seen that with Mary Ng. We're seeing that with Leslie Church. We're seeing a change in the way the liberals approach this particular issue. And that is probably a little consistent with their leftward shift. And I think even more so than spectrum stuff, it's consistent with how we've changed our view of politics over the years, right? Mm. It's used to be a thing that particularly, I think, the liberals and the conservatives saw as you do some service, you come in, and by the way, particularly the conservatives, you do some service, uh, we don't want career politicians, you come in. But now, Jason Kenney, Pierre Polyev, these are career politicians who went from staffer uh, yeah. to politician, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Staffer, this is, maybe even like third party group that was intellectually aligned, and then I mean, you back if, in and out. Yeah. If at all, and barely, but the yeah. point yeah. is, like, this now seems to be the norm in politics. And it seems to be a professionalization of politics and this view of an MP as a step on a ladder rather than a representative. And that's that's not all great, in my opinion, but it's an interesting phenomenon that has occurred that I think we should all take note of. I want to get into that's not all great in a second, Carter, but I want you to react to this. The, the, the framing is the cost of having senior staffers run as 
I'll insert the word again, humble candidates to, to be elected representatives. What is the cost? Um, I mean, I think that actually <laughs> this is the cost of multiple or, you know, multiple rules have been brought in. So if you want to remain in the political field, if you want to, I mean, we have taken away certain options. If you're a staffer, you now have to wait years before you can lobby the government. You have to, hmm. uh, you know, there, there is a, great point. Your, career, your career path has been limited by constraints that we've put in front of you. And one of the options that's still available is to just be a candidate. So you go from being <laughs> a, a staffer to being a candidate because, oh, well, what the hell else are you going to do? You're not going to take four years out of the game. Right. You you're, you're and not to gonna, be clear, you're talking about the lobbying freeze at the federal level for senior for yeah. staffers, right? I mean, and it's ridiculously long. I mean, and, and it, you know, there's ethics commissioners and there's laws and it's just convoluted. But where there is no law and where it's not particularly convoluted is you can become a candidate. You couple that with the green light process that we have put in place for virtually every party, um, you know, in, in Canada and arguably, I mean, there's no that green light process in the United yeah. States. Yeah. But in the, you know, you've got this green light process now that, gives you a tremendous leg up because they all know you, right? They yeah. know you, they know your, their foibles, they know, and, Depending and they don't know Depending on how senior you were, you probably, you know, some way may have even hired them oh, I mean, or you, had it responsible. must yeah. have been vetted yeah. or the prime minister really liked you or, you know, whatever. I mean, but basically you've got your, your, your halfway through the vetting process already and be, because there's everybody in the party knows you, everybody in the staffers knows you, uh, no one wants to piss off Christia. Um, you know, like it, it's a tremendous leg up for that, for that staffer. Now, what is the cost, um, to the individual, you know, like it, 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 it's, it, it's not that bad to the individual. And I don't think there's much cost to be hmm. truthful to the, um, to the system either, because now we're getting politicians who are just better trained. I suppose the negative of that would be politicians that are relatively indoctrinated to existing process, but at least they know where the fucking bathroom is. I have not come in here with preconceived notions. I, I, I say humble candidates simply to kind of illustrate that for many staffers, Corey, and this is not just a liberal thing or an NDP thing, candidate and elected is kind of seen not at the top of said hierarchy, to be totally clear, for, especially yeah. if you're not in cabinet or you're not a minister. Being a humble elected person, you're kind of seen as uh, like, you know, the third rank PMO staffer, fifth rank PMO staffer ranks significantly higher than you, you know, so to speak, in the, in the, in the ecosystem. So the reason I phrase it that way is was to try to get a reaction. But I don't come here with preconceived notions. Corey, you did say, though, all is not great. And I want to kind of refer back to that uh, when you have senior staffers run for, for candidacy. Yeah, well, look, um, Stephen's talked about why it actually might even work for the party in many cases. You have people who are, you're not going to have the counter example of somebody who knows nothing about politics comes in and steps on both their feet inexplicably at the same time, sure, right? Sure, like they sure, don't yeah. know what the fuck they're doing, get off message, contradict the leader. I'm creating a very extreme example, but these are things that a staffer who has become a senior staffer is for sure not going to do and is going to understand the pecking order and the political machinery and what they need to do. And they'll understand the things that provide value in politics too. Like, Guess I better go knock doors. Guess I better identify my vote. Guess I better get that vote out. You know, stuff that sometimes with somebody who has no political experience, 
you pull your hair out trying to explain to them the importance. They're like, well, I think I'll just write a really powerful op-ed and everyone will vote for me, right? <laughs> that shit drives people crazy. Yeah, yeah. But outside perspectives are good and healthy, and they are good and healthy for a political party. And if being a candidate in a political party uh, is just another step on the ladder, you're going to get increasingly insular political parties. And sometimes that insularity is a strength and a value, right? Like, we're all together, we're here in the cause. And that's, you know, maybe that's in part why it was historically something that I would identify with the NDP. It's like, they were the people keeping the light on, they were going to be there every time, they were going to fight the fucking fight, and they were going to get it done, and they were on a crusade. But if you are the liberals, and you are a party whose entire reason to exist is to kind of communicate back to Canadians what Canadians already are and triangulate towards the middle, mm-hmm. which is, I'll describe the liberals as that. Other people might have different descriptions. That kind of insularity is lethal because all of a sudden you're not getting those outside. It becomes ideological in one it sense. It becomes ideological. And if you don't have an ideology and you become ideological, well, I guess you have the modern liberal party, right? I mean, I, that becomes the challenge. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. So, and, and for some of us, this is wow. why we like the modern liberal party, because it's become kind of ideological to the left. But I hear you, right? Like the reflective mirror aspect of it is is, is less so. That, that mirror is dirtied up in some ways. Well, and so that's one of the challenges. Sure. And that's why I think it's not all good. Historically, you also kind of thought that a candidate from outside, especially in like a safe seat, like that's an opportunity to bring in kind of new perspectives, new blood, somebody at the top of their game, a star candidate. And this should be a relatively game. safe seat, if not an NDP liberal switch. A hundred percent. And um, and the idea is like if you're uh, Justin Trudeau and you need to say shore up your economic side, go find yourself a vice president from a bank, like a senior vice president from a bank. Go find yourself somebody who's like the head of a think tank in this area that you really respect. Mark Carney. You could have Mark, Mark Carney. Mark Carney. Although he's, he's running Edmonton, Edmonton Center, Center. Right. Edmonton Center, forgot, yeah. I'm sorry. Sure. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. But this is my point, Zane. Like, the, you know, you use the safe seats to get people in and in the marginal seats, you use somebody who means something to the community, right? So they are like a business leader or they're a big community organizer or something like that. And a staffer is neither of those things. Now, I do think realistically over time on that second example of like the community leader, who the candidate is just matters less. People are much more just voting for the party. But those are some of the downsides there. Can I can I ask you a a sidebar question, Carter? And this is both to both of you. It's it's literally just reacting what you've said, Corey, which is, you know, a staffer is neither of those things. You just kind of said that right now, right? In terms of community leader or like the, 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 the outside heft. If you are a political staffer, do you get to ever wear the other part of the identities that you had or your, your resume that you had prior to being a political staffer? Or is oh, everything yeah, else sure. locked away? To talk, uh, no, you can. To, yeah. Carter, you're laughing. Can, can I, 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 I'm not sure you can. Yeah. I, I'm I, feel, not sure I thought you, you guys were going to diverge think, on this. Yeah. I think, I think you become the, the staffer, right? And, and the staffer is a caricature. Um, you know, I mean, you, you kind of hit upon it, right? That's the, the fifth, the fourth ranked person in the PMO has more power than the, um, than the candidates. And, and, and that and does I could even mean some, the 40th person in the PMO if I wanted yeah, to, right? Like that's but, kind but of what it, I was trying it, to illustrate. It yeah. builds some resentment, right? Like it builds some, some pushback from others. And I think that there is a, a risk uh, and Corey and I may differ on the size of the risk, but I do think that there's a risk that once you've been a staffer, you're always a staffer and you think like a staffer, you, you, behave like a staffer, and it, it is fundamentally different than how you would behave if you were a, uh, you know, just a, just a candidate from the street. With all of that experience that you would have had before, 
Everything that you were up until I think there's a truth that you can't. You know, it's one of the unknow what you know. You know all, sure. But also, like how you're defined, right? I, I'll be honest with you guys. You guys ask me yeah. all the time why I never go inside. One of the reasons is because I don't want to be labeled with something that is so big in the eyes of the public, but that is so small to me, which would be you, you're a one-time political staffer, right? Like, and and, and I speak personally because I know you guys. We've had this conversation offline, but Corey, you think you you can you can wear the other parts of your resume or your three dimensionality after you get labeled as a political staffer? Because Leslie Church, I don't even know what she did prior to this. She's had a whole life prior to 2015. I didn't even bother looking at it because I'm like, well, she's Christopher Freeland's chief of staff. That's how she's ever going to be known. And I mean, that's no small role. She's chief of staff, the deputy prime minister. But why do you think there could be, you know, the other parts of your resume could, could still rise? Because it's all about storytelling. And if you're, if you're worth your salt in political communication, you're going to tell a story about who you are and why you did the things you did and where you're going to go next. And you've got to keep in mind, not everybody's going to take such a jaundiced, cynical eye. And, and most people don't understand the system and the power dynamics that exist internally to a government. And most of the public will just see MP as a, a more senior role than senior staffer, mm. right? So when you're there, you say, hey, you know, I, I worked in job, I like just, you know, I worked in job X and at job X, I, I, I did these things for my community and I was really frustrated with the inability to get things done from the Harper government. So when the Trudeau government came knocking, I really wanted to get involved and I really excelled there and I did it. But ultimately, the things I want to do are not about just helping what the people there are doing. It's helping my community do the things I always got into politics to do. So I am, you know, I'm from this background. I'm going to do these things. Staffer was just an attempt to do those things, but now I really want to do those things, right? And you can kind of pull people back to your origin story and you can make your origin story the origin story for your MP job and your staffer job and kind of treat them in that particular fashion, even though we may view Mm. these roles a little bit different. And, you know, there's a storytelling component to it all here. And, I, I think ultimately it's it's maybe not that convincing to people on the inside, but I don't think it's like unconvincing to people on the outside that you would try to find different ways to serve and that this is the next big way to serve. Carter, respond to that. You you want to. I I I, I mean, did he take his optimist pills today? Like what what is like what happened to our cynical uh, Corey Hogan that we've all known and, and modestly disliked? What happened to that guy? Um, this is this is not well. This is look, not they're not going to put on their brochure like you, you, I was a got, staffer and it's no, no. I'm not even. I'm you not don't even think t- that the media not every t- time they write the fucking story isn't going to say former Christian Freeland staffer every time until that per, you know how, unless, Carter, until Carter, Leslie Church how, how about, how about won this? fifteen fucking elections. I guess I, I'm, that's going to be the lead let, line let me, in every in every article about her. I'm even talking about outside of like running for office, like right, you know, like a staffer. I, like I, I, that identity is so overpowering, regardless of how limited the months or the years were on your resume. I think Carter, you and I might be saying the same thing, right? It, it's it will, overpowering it, in a positive and a negative right, way, though. Right, Zane. I think right. that you, you're, you have a tendency. I, I this do. Is I, us do having I do. Our, I do think of it. This is us having our battle about you and your professional life again in in, in the public eye now, which I think is way better. And we should have done it from the beginning. Hey, yeah, Corey? we should have. But yeah. you know, look. I mean, like it's is very funny to me. It is interesting. I, like we, I, I feel like I've. I met Leslie Church when she was at Google, like, and which is the yeah, role she had before right, there, right, right? Right, and I, I still kind of think of her more as that than I do as a staffer, even though That's I'm sure she's. Oh, look who's so longer. connected! Uh, no, 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 no! I'm not so saying that. Connected. I'm just saying, like, oh. if if staffer was your 
you know, absolutely no question, best job. Okay, I, I take what you're saying, but that's not true with Leslie. You know, I just, that's not the case. So I just think that there's some storytelling that can be done that can make it just part of a way to serve. And, um, and if staffer is by far the best thing on your resume, well, then, yeah, you've got a problem. Then you are branded as a staffer, but that's not necessarily the case. Carter, I'm going to, I'm going to finish off on this per- second one in our, in our list of the cost of living politically. Um, okay. What about the knowledge and the power that you had as a staffer? Is that come, is that, and then not having that as potentially a backbencher? Like, you know what I'm trying to, or, or how oh, yeah. you got treated, I mean, or, or how much yeah. proximity you had to the staff. You'd know that a staffer would know that. They'd know that. Of course they would, that this is a, a no. different type of job. But there's also that, fuck, I used to have this before. And while this might be a step up on the ladder to our earlier conversation, it's kind of not in some ways, depending on how you look at the gig and the power that you had. So talk to me about both the power, the proximity to power, which may not ultimately exist as a candidate, but did if you were a very senior, successful staffer Listen, like she was. I get running for leader. I get running for, you know, like Brian Top ran for leader when he, of, he And to be clear, to this, is, this is Brian Top, who was an organizer, campaign manager, strategist. Yeah. Then ran for leader of the NDP in back in 20, yeah. 2012, I believe. You know, and I yeah. and I kind of get that because I think leaders have so much power in our system, and we've argued that perhaps they have too much power in our system, but right now we're not in the place to change that. Um, but you know, I I, I just kind of look at this and think, I you know, I, I'm not sure that I, this would be the thing that I'd be pushing for um, if I were her, because unless you're in cabinet. The average backbench MLA is not a great job. MP, yeah. It's just not a great job. And it takes a special type of person to think, you know what, I'm going to be in cabinet. And most of those special types of people that we knew and that we know don't make it to cabinet because, um, you know, it's almost like saying, well, I'll be in cabinet is some sort of disqualification from being in cabinet unless you know the leader really well. There's so many, there's so many calculations that go into that dynamic. So I'm not sure, like, if, if Leslie Church had picked up the phone and called me, and let's be honest, we were all surprised that she didn't. Um, <laughs> if she picked up the phone and called me, I'm not sure I would have said, yeah, Leslie, this is your next play. This totally makes sense to me. Um, I might have been, you know, probably asking the question that maybe Christian Freeland asked, which is, uh, are you sure? Are you sure you could be, you know, I think this also sends a signal uh, that Christian Freeland's not going to go for the uh, liberal leadership. Oh, I completely should. agree with oh, that. Oh, that's yeah. a good In point. some ways, that's the bigger story. Yeah, that is that's an probably the I didn't even piece. consider that. I think well, that's I, why we're well, strategists, Zane. Yeah, no, that's why good. we're here as strategists. So I've been hosting the last several episodes. That's right. I've been yeah. downgraded again. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, you want to go, go on this power question? On, on well, I do. I, I think Steve, Stephen has said a version of what I want to say. I think one of the reasons staffers often do this is because, let's be really clear, and it's especially the case in a city like Ottawa more so than a provincial capital, but it's the true everywhere in politics. Like there is still a caste system to politics, right? Mm-hmm. There, is, there are the electeds. And there are the staffers, and the staffers support the electeds. Now, if the elected you support is the the big dog, well, you've got an awful lot of authority, but that authority, you know, could go away in a minute, right? And you you have to say the things that they tell you to say. You have to do the things that they tell you to do. And staffers have a ceiling. That's the simple reality. You can't be promoted from chief of staff 
to leader, uh, you've got to run a, a political contest for all of that. And a lot of people look at that and say, boy, we're not all Brian, like Brian Top almost won against Tom. Which Blair, is, which right? is quite something when we kind of look well, back I at mean, what that would have been. Yeah, yeah. Brian's a force in the NDP, yeah. but yeah, it is quite something. Like You're when you look at the correct. career thereafter as well and before, it's just like yeah, the chief of staff yeah. and now running a successful campaign. It's quite an impressive, yeah. like across the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, one in 2015 here in Alberta, one to, you know, yesterday in uh, in Manitoba. Like that's that's very impressive, but enough pumping Brian's tires. We don't want to give him an ego. Well, he doesn't listen. The, no. uh, does he listen? He's, he's a very humble fellow. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll make him pay for the patron. Yeah, I don't know if he's a patron. Yeah, I, I doubt he is. <laughs> so. Look, I think the um, the point I was trying to make, though, is a lot of staffers say, I don't want to be the second class in this caste system anymore. I would rather be kind of on the lower rungs of the top caste than the top rungs of the bottom caste. Mm. And at least then there's the opportunity to speak my mind and do do things on behalf of the community and and maybe make a play for the bigger jobs down the road, cabinet and leader. And a lot of this is also the psychology of staffers. It can be very frustrating as a staffer. I, I know you two know this, where you are preparing a candidate and then the candidate sucks in some way, either just in that moment yeah. or generally, yeah. right? They're, yeah. Yeah. they're yeah. not delivering the lines you wrote brilliantly. They're not executing the strategy you crafted with any intelligence. God, you could do it so much better. You're sitting I mean, in the corner in that meeting and he is fucking up that meeting. What is he doing? You know, you know like that's... Some, sometimes, Corey, they take a $20 million problem and solve it with $500 million. You know, I mean, that that has happened sometimes in my life. Those are very specific numbers. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's a... You know, yeah. Good hypothetical example, Carter. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I think that there's also a little bit of that, too. Like, don't... Like, there's an emotion to it, too, that says, like, I, I want to go for it. I don't want to be in this position anymore. And especially a city like Ottawa. Very hierarchical. Very wild. I want to go to our last one, and it's a broad one around the okay. cost of living politically. But it does celebrate what happened in Manitoba. And I say celebrate because I've, I'm clearly an NDP supporter in, in, in the provincial scene. And what they did in Manitoba, Wab Canoe, historic victory, as you talked about it, Corey. Um, and a pretty sizable victory when all was said and done. You know, they, they increased vote share, they increased seat share, they got a pretty comfortable majority here. Um, what's the cost of winning? Corey, we've talked a few about a few of these in the past, right? Like you, everything you did gets enshrined as being successful, right? Like sure. I'm already seeing, I'm already getting personal tweets around, look, this is what a positive campaign can do. And I don't want to take anything away from the Manitoba NDP, from Brian, from the whole entire team there, uh, to Wab Canoe in particular. But what, are the, what is the cost of winning? I actually, I don't think we've ever talked about this larger topic on the show. And I don't want to take... 45 minutes because I'm at 7% battery, uh, which I'll have oh to rectify. Lord. I'll rectify that while you guys speak. But I want you to get started on this. Around when a victory happens, a lot gets kind of molded in a certain way. Talk to me about the cost of winning. The cost of winning. We have talked about this in, in different contexts here. The cost of winning is when you've won, everything you did was brilliant. And sometimes what you did wasn't brilliant. And so it becomes very difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff. You also have the cost of winning being all of a sudden, everybody is there and wants to be involved. And not everybody is good enough to be involved <laughs> going forward. Mm -hmm. And so the enthusiasm, 
the honest enthusiasm that's that people can have uh, when they see a, a historic victory like we've seen in Manitoba. I would wager that from coast to coast to coast, you had an awful lot of people saying, hey, what's Winnipeg real estate look like? Like how expensive you, Yeah, that's is funny. It? That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I can buy a house like that for $300,000. Could I live in Winnipeg? I wonder, maybe I should make a call. You know, like I could imagine that's happening a lot. Pretty and, middle of the country. You can get to both sides. Oh, of the you can get anywhere on the weekend. I just hop on a plane. Yeah. Every yeah. weekend. I go Vancouver, I go yeah. Toronto. I go Vancouver, I go yeah, Toronto. I can, I'm like, exactly. I'm saving so much money on a house. No, I might as well like, go to both. But, you know, one of the costs of winning is that uh, it, it's so romanticized and it is it is such a romantic thing that people can make dumb short-term decisions and they can lock themselves into weird things and people can get swept up in it. And so, you know, there's lots of costs of winning, Zane. That's just a few. I, I like yeah. those ones. So, and we've put some of those on the board in the past. I felt like this would be a moment to, once again, Carter, to not like... You know, I'm here too, you know. Yeah, to, to not to not like okay. put a knife in the tires of a victory, but, but no, but, I mean but, it's again historic yeah, yeah. canoe victory. No, but, really, but I but I think it's a great to moment. To and I would have brought this topic up if the PCs won, anyways, right? Like, which is yeah. what is the cost of winning, Carter? Corey put a few on the on the board. I really like the one, by the way, of not everyone is good enough to get involved. I want to talk about that in a second. Not to say of any stories, but I'm sure both of you kind of do, uh, Carter. Okay. What else to add to the uh, to the uh, to the to the list there? I, I want to kind of go back to, uh, you know, everything you did was right. Mm. You know, like uh, the the idea that you're getting telephone calls saying, see what a positive campaign could do. I mean, we you weren't up against someone who, you know, threatened, you know, said that they wouldn't dig out the landfill, uh, who said, you know, you're voting alone in your voting booth. I mean, there were some spectacularly bad things done like by the own other goals. Time. You mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and now you're going to look like, oh yeah, you did great. Everything you touched turned to gold. Uh, you guys are the best. That's not true. They're not the best. Um, they made significant errors in the campaign. Everybody makes significant errors in the ca- in a campaign. Um, and but their shit ain't going to stink for a little while. And then on top of that, the chances of being a one-term wonder is super high. Because one-term wonders are, you know, they happen quite a bit in provincial politics, uh, especially from the NDP side. And there has to be some sort of collective understanding of what it means to actually govern and what it means to govern with that leadership and reflection that I talk about so often in, in a balance that your people may not want because they may be saying, we won. This is our chance to be to be new Democrats, to be the real new Democrats, to show everybody how new democratic we can be here in Manitoba. And that may not be your best play if you want a second term. The one hint wonder thing is interesting, Corey. I might kind of take that point and expand it into the historic nature of a victory. The Nahed Nentry, the Barack Obamas. Now, neither of them were one-term wonders. They left on their own terms, right? Either yeah, term weird, limit. weird examples. No, but no, go no. On. But but I want to. This is why I, I'm kind of expanding it into into something else, which is the 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 risk of the historic moment, right? The risk of the because his star is shining extremely bright today, extremely bright, right? The the, the the whole story, the you know, a young man who was you know uh, had some trouble with the law found family, found politics, right? Became a community leader. Like he even talks about it on stage. His star shines incredibly bright. 
Is there a cost there in the sense of like maybe being too high to deliver? Like it was one of the Obama criticisms was like they were expecting the world and they got a very pragmatic, iterative, thoughtful, but like, hey, I'm just two links in a long multi-generational chain of presidents sort of person. And so I'm kind of, and I don't really have a question other than to kind of yeah. put that on the table to maybe get you to react to. No, I, I think that's what I was trying to drive at at the end of what I was saying there yeah. about the romanticism of it. Like right, people get swept right. off and they think like, oh my God, it, it's the arc of history and we're telling a story and we're turning a page as a civilization and look at us and look at what we can now do. And and now everything is going to be wonderful forevermore. And then reality comes in and, and you could have just as easily on your list had uh, Rachel Notley. You could have had Dave Barrett in BC. You could have had Bob kept. Ray in Ontario. Um because many of them swept in with the same kind of energy of like, look, look what this means. Look what this means for our province. Look what this means for the future of our communities here. But it's not so easy, right? Uh, there are hard decisions that need to be made. And there is a choice that any government that comes in, that sweeps in on such a change uh, mandate has to deal with, which is how much change do you do? Do you do a little bit? Do you try to be incremental about things? Or do you go all in? Do you try to just change the entire world as it is in front of you? Both have their drawbacks. Yeah. Uh, I would say you try to change the whole world, more likely you're going to be a one-termer. You try to be more moderate, incremental, Barack Obama, more likely people will become disillusioned with you that yet before had all of those ideals about you and thought you were kind of the second coming and just like mm. really a remarkable individual. And, and that's because, uh, you know, Nothing in life is as good or as bad as you think it's going to be, including your politicians, except Donald Trump was as bad as we thought. But everybody else is not as not as good as you think it's well, going to be. You know, and that's just the reality here. And so, you know, that's that's tough for some people to digest. And this is the Wabkanu will never be as popular as he is right now. Well, that's the let me let me take that and ask another strategy question. Let's get out of our mold of cost, Carter, because I think there's a strategy question here. If you were helping Wab Canoe today, would you tell him to lean into the historic aspect, or would you say it's time to dial that down? And the like, do you and you've had to do the similar thing with Nahid Nenshi the morning after we've heard the story, right? Thirty plus interviews across the world. Wab's getting that type of attention too. Yeah. Right. Do do you dial that up in the moment? Because there's probably benefit around galvanizing staffers, galvanizing attention, drawing focus on your province, where you are, et cetera, you know, leaning into the history. Or do you kind of do the opposite and say, let's temper expectations. Let's not get way too high right now, because this will actually maybe not not be so great for us a couple weeks, couple months, couple years down the road. I mean, keep in what, mind, what would you I've advise? involved I've been involved in a few of these. Yeah, right? sure. I, I have watched Nenshi's. Uh, Redford was the first w woman pre premier in Alberta. Uh, her popularity soared after she was elected. Uh, Jyoti Gondek, you know, the first female mayor of Calgary. Um, all of these things create unbelievably high expectations. Do a victory lap and then get the fuck off the track, right? Like you, you is get. That, is that your lesson? Is is, is like oh is my that God, is that yeah. You, you you cannot, the bitterness and resentment that follows the stardom, right? We talked about this in the, in the context of um, the celebrity arc versus the politician arc. And when you have the celebrity arc, which is, you know, Wab Canoe is right now, is in this celebrity arc. He is the new guy. He's the it guy. Well, that doesn't work particularly well for politicians, if we're honest, 
right? If we're honest with ourselves, most politicians who wind up in celebrity arcs wind up in celebrity scandal. Get out of the celebrity arc. Stay in the politician lane. Downplay, downplay, downplay. Because this, the celebrity arc is designed to destroy people. That's what it's there for. We love watching Kim Kardashian go up and down and up and down. And I'm sorry, I'm describing her porn tape. Um, Jesus anyways, Christ. You know, Jesus Christ. Car- <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got into it and then I didn't know how Corey, to I'm coming to you on this in a second. Um, that also yeah, I get it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, okay. uh, Cor- Carter, Carter's Carter. smiling like he's 12. Hey, Carter. <laughs> what? How do you know you've actually gone too far? You said take your victory lap and you then don't. get... Ah, so you how do you, you, have you gotten burnt on this? You've done three historical, yeah. you could argue three historical campaigns yeah, that you've had every, to work on I the game. I think every time. You have gotten burnt. You think you've gotten burnt? How? 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 Corey, I'm coming to you. I time. think that Nenshi, I think Nenshi doesn't get the same bump if he doesn't have the flood. Um, you, you recall that, that we had the flood because he was actually, you know, he was starting to go down in the polls already. Um, and then the flood came. He said Nenshi nouns and everybody loved him again for a bit. Um, but the, the, you know, how long were we at the top of the world till January or, or so with Redford, January, I think we this were in October election. Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. We got yeah. elected in, in January. You were looking January, at, we people peaked. were legitimately, that was the legislature, I believe was 83 seats at the time. And people were yeah. legitimately talking about 75 to 80. Yeah. I mean, we had like, everybody was like, you guys are amazing. And then we almost lost the next election. Because the up and down of it, like you just, you can't say, well, we're really high now. Let's try and get some things done. Because anything you do in the period of this will be resented later. There is a resentment that follows the the stardom. And mm. you're better off not to use it. And there's not a lot of people who've been there, who've seen the ups and the downs. Like, um, like even even Top hasn't seen that many of these kind of like star situations. It, the the population does not like it when you get ele- they love to elevate you and then they love to tear you down. Yeah, and honestly, there's just an expectations thing. Like you pour so much into these more transformational, change focused leaders. These these leaders that represent something bigger than themselves, whether that be Wap being the first Indigenous premier of a province, or Rachel Notley being the NDP elected in Alberta. And the, the governing's tough. Governing's tricky, and governing means making choices, and you disappoint people. And it, the disappointment hurts so much more and drags you so much deeper when you had those high, high, they would never expectations that you put on leaders like this. Mm. It's so interesting because during a campaign, all you're trying to do is get to get them to cover you positively. And then you win. And there's a floodgate of positivity from across the world. And you have to show a type of restraint, which you haven't had to before. It's an entirely different muscle in some ways that you're having to, to, to operate. Would you, would you not agree, Carter? Yeah. Or, or Corey, yeah, are you going to react? Right phrasing. Would you, Corey, react to that. I, I'm just thinking out loud. I, I think that's true. But I, I think the other thing is you also, like, let's be honest, it feels great. Like, all of a sudden, you're getting all of that, and it's coming much easier than it ever did during the election. No no effort. And, no, literally and you none. Can, yeah. And you tell yourself, but this is actually good for me because now I'm building capital I can use to do the things I yeah, want to sure, do, right? Sure. Th- that is a like, school of thought, no doubt. That It's not just a school of thought. It's a, I think, I would argue it's... What most would it's do? It's probably true 
but it's also really tied to a story you want to tell yourself, right? Like it feels great. I could see some benefit down the road. Of course I should do this media. Of course I should elevate expectations. Of course I should have this conversation. And can I be honest? I'm not convinced they shouldn't. Right? Well, this like is what I, I want to I try think, to get to. I haven't gotten your answer yet, right? Like, this is what yeah. I want to tell me. Tell me what you would advise. I'm putting you in the same chair that I would put Carter in. You get shipped out to Winnipeg, and you have to advise Wob Canoe and campaign guys. The next week could be we've got 150 requests. Are we taking yeah. all of them? Are we inflating expectations? Yeah. Are we flooding the zone? What are we doing? Look, there's things you need to do, and you need to make sure people are doing them. But then, yeah, I think my answer is yes, you are. Because this is not going to happen again. And whether you think that this moment has a lot of value or a little value, you certainly think it has value. And it's not coming in six months. This moment exists in this moment. And so you might as well do it. And frankly, you've earned it. You did a thing. And I think it's awesome, especially with a guy like Mm -hmm. Rob who gets Mm -hmm. to then you know, display on the highest stages, international media, the representation of of an indigenous man who has a redemption arc, who has come from some very dark places and has risen to this place where he can be an inspiration to people across the globe. And there is there is kind of like an intrinsic value in that beyond a political value. And I I think it would be nuts to say actually I'm I'm too busy right now I got to meet with the transition team on what uh, you know what dog licenses are going to look like in Winnipeg like that's you know obviously not an actual thing but that's you, you gotta you gotta pick your best use and you are the only person who can do these things at this moment and you've got a team that hopefully has been working and I, if I know Brian and I do know Brian I know they've been working and they're ready for this transition so. Go out there. Carter, you look, uh, you know, make your statement. You look worried. I just think I don't disagree with Corey in terms of what he's saying. You know, you've got to go out and take advantage of this, but you have to do so in such a fashion that you're not blowing yourself up too much. You know, um, my, my recommendation would be emphasize team, emphasize uh, the amount of work that needs to be done. um, Be humble. Oh, Uh, don't be braggadocious. I agree for sure. I wouldn't want to be misunderstood. I mean, don't model me uh, yeah. when I did it. Um, it's not the Wob show. It's not, you know, like... Yeah, but, I mean, it was the Stephen Carter show, and it yeah. was pretty spectacular, <laughs> so... Wait, wait, wait. Tell me about that. Like, in the sense that when there was process stories about you, and there was, of course, stories about the candidate. Is that what you're talking about, just so I'm clear? Uh, yeah, I mean, just... after after Redford. Yeah. I mean, essentially, I got fired on election night, right? So, no, I'm I talking took about a you, fairly you win, significant... You win the leadership, though. When you say don't model... The leadership... Me. But I'm now asking you about The leadership was really tough for us. Because she'd lost her mother, right? Like, so we had, we were battling all kinds of problems. Um, and she didn't take much of that victory lap because she was in mourning. She did a bunch of interviews, to be sure, but we didn't capitalize on it very much at all because well, she was... Can I... We had real issues. Can I ask you this to both of you? What would your... What yeah. would your... 2023 rule be if because we love the process story as we just discussed in the previous sort of uh story right Corey, that we were talking about yeah what would your rule be for for a campaign manager like like brian or 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 others right like if this was the pc campaign manager if they wanted to talk about you right how you did it would you do the one and done the classic is to do the one and done paper of record right we've seen that already the one and done paper of record would you do multiple interviews about the the victory would how would you think about what's the 2023 rule the reason i say that is i think the rules may have changed i'm curious i'm we're gonna have 
I'm so sure that Carter and I will see this differently because I just don't. I don't like those things. I don't. I mean, I'll read them. I like them as a consumer. And we've read the one in the Winnipeg Free Press. So there is one like that kind of like walks you through the campaign, who was brought in when, etc. It's great. Like we love to read that sort of stuff. Corey, keep going. Yeah, I, I think that we do tend to tell this hyper-fictionalized version of the campaign, right? It it ends up having all of the same beats as a medieval fairy tale, oh, right? I mean, And this is when the dragon came, and this is how I slayed it, right? If you want this to read was the, the dark moment where we had to walk through the forest. And My favorite one is the Alberta one. If anyone wants to read the Alberta one written by my friend Jason Leader uh, in the Globe and Mail, oh, it's exactly that narrative, Corey, right? Like, Danielle yeah. Smith was like, she didn't even know how to walk straight. And then we gave her a gift, and she rose up from the ash, and she said, I can win with this. I think I can win with this. That's just right? not, but like, yeah. you know, this is, we we joke a lot about how I don't like the West Wing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't like the West Wing. I don't like the West Wing because of like, like the rising violin music and the dramatic moment where everybody does the thing that they want to do, and the stars in their eyes, and we'll get back to the idea of like this romanticism of this particular business, and you know, often it's like they'll sit there and they'll have like a high-minded argument with each other and then somebody will say something brilliant and they're like, and that's the answer, you know? And then everybody goes out and their souls are lifted by all of the things that happened. And and it's it's as though, you know, Moses has parted the Red Sea and they can walk <laughs> through now, right? But in reality, what it is, is it's guys like me and Steven in a room going, fuck, fuck, you got any ideas? Oh, I don't know. Oh. And they're like... Somebody throws an idea. We beat the ever-loving shit out of the idea. We come back to that idea five hours later when we realize that was actually the best idea after we've beaten the ever-loving shit out of every other idea. And we cobble something together, which is not as good as Optimal. And in fact, we probably wrote Optimal down at some point, but then we have to pair it back to reality here. And then we forget to do part B and then part F comes along and we fuck it up. But then we get to tell the story afterwards about how Stephen Carter was in the room and he said this thing. And yeah, I hate that shit. I just like, you know why I hate it? You know why, Corey? It's so misleading though. Like that is not how politics works. Well, here's the thing. I've never been in the room with me. I'm going to jump in with you. You've never been in the room with me. I did this. You'd see this is how. I did this after the next election in 2017 i've been in many rooms with you steven i know exactly how this fucking works okay carter i did this (laughs) after the nancy election in 2017 our friend rob from from cbc brought me into the studio they played the clip being like and the person you saw on the stage there that's the guy who who helped nancy win the campaign i'm like yeah okay well we were supposed to win by 20 we won by eight so i'm here uh but okay what do you want to lose what do you want to talk about you lose oh trust me no interviews after that campaign carter uh (laughs) Still waiting to be called. No, no one asked uh, the Globe and Mail for from our side. We asked no, from the Globe. Yeah, we're still uh, Carter. What do you think? What's the rule? If you were running Wob's campaign, there was a bunch of interest in you, how you did it. What's the story? You could think of it this way: This is a great time to elevate those around us who, who rarely get any part of the spotlight, or it's a time to say, "I'm going to shut the fuck up." We'll do our one standard, what's become conventional wisdom, paper of record story, and all the attention goes back on Wob. How are you? How are you playing this? If this is if this is you as a victorious sort of uh, group that 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 won this campaign, are they going to write the story whether I participate or not? Yeah, great point. That's why you do it. Yeah. Then you participate, hmm. and you say the words. I couldn't have done it without this fantastic team that we built. The candidate. 
I mean, really, uh, best candidate I've ever worked for. I mean, you've never heard me say anything like that before, have you, guys? <laughs> no, not. Um, best candidate not I've ever worked for. She, yeah. you know, like, I mean, we gave her words and she made them sing. It was amazing. And everything, it wasn't a perfect campaign, but because we had such a good candidate, we were able to paper over those mistakes. Um, and I learned a tremendous amount about politics from insert candidate name. Yeah, I <laughs> I think you're way too comfortable giving that interview. Yeah. But yeah, you're no, really, I, get, I get the... I didn't actually, you didn't actually win anything yesterday, Carl, just so you could clear. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm telling you, I, I've, putting I've himself done back the in the zone. I'm, I'm He's familiar like, with the beats. Yeah. Oh, you're I'm familiar with annoy me. Okay, I'm, I'm done with this. Let's move it on to our final segment or over under our lightning round. Stephen Carter, we do this for you, as you know. Um, hey, listen, tell me this. This is a serious question. Overrated, underrated, Indian misinformation about Justin Trudeau and what it means to the Canadian diaspora. Man, that's a heavy question. But oh, overrated or... Yeah. Christ, I'm glad yeah. we're not doing a full segment Well, on we this. could. But overrated it's, or underrated? Give me just your initial sense of this. Like, So just for to fill people in... Indian media is a very broad brushstroke I'm painting this with, but a lot of misinformation and disinformation about Justin Trudeau domestically, the relationship he had with the the, the now deceased individual uh, that was murdered here in Canada, uh, cocaine use on the plane, all yeah, this sort of ludicrous shit. The coke. Yeah. Yeah. Overrated or underrated in terms of what its domestic political effects could be, Carter? It is completely underrated. Uh. I mean, all of a sudden you've got um, governments with like, you know, with government-style resources, with willing audiences that are willing to listen and, and hear these things, because uh, it turns out the media sources are oftentimes very specific to the audiences that they're trying to reach. We've talked about this in the kind of the downfall and the changes in media. Um, so these are highly, highly targeted media outlets with a significant audience that wants to believe what is said, and they will believe what is said. I mean, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you the misinformation and the challenges that were we had in Surrey uh, during that mayoralty campaign. Um, but this is way worse, and there's not much in the way of checks and balances when it's another fucking government that's coming in to do this to the to the leader. I'm I'm very very concerned. This is. This is Russian interference, China interference, you know, all the different interferences all coming uh, in full visibility home to roost in Canada. Corey, overrated, underrated in your mind? I I do tend to agree with Stephen. It's hard being a country of 40 million people standing up to a country of, what, 1.3, 1.4 billion people? Like, that's just a reality we have to contend with here. And we can't really go it alone. This is why we have alliances with Europe and America. But Europe and America don't seem that keen mm -hmm. on, you know, mm -hmm. having like these, for all of the reasons we have already talked about, right, the geopolitical consequences mm -hmm. and vis-a-vis -vis China and all of this here. So, boy, fuck, we're in a tough jam here. And I don't actually see this thing softening in any way, shape or form. And we talked about this too. I continue to not see a very elegant out here. In fact, we saw escalations this week yep. with more of the... Uh, consular staff being kicked out of India and sent back to Canada, it's escalating, if anything. And that's the formal escalation. And the informal is this like just absolutely laughable stream of, of 
rumor and innuendo that is ridiculous. Like the suggestion that uh, somehow like Trudeau is like a lover of Nijar. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just, like, I don't even know what to do with some of this stuff. But the problem is it we laugh at it at our peril. Like yeah. these things tend to have this corrosive effect over time. They're going to be shared by opponents of the prime minister. The Everything gets murkier. People start to doubt everything. And, and there is a significant language component here too, where we're not, we're not seeing as English media consumers, all of the stuff that's going on We're we have to wait until we get like that one person who's relayed the one fact, but it's very problematic. And it is part of a bigger challenge that we have i think not just not just in canada but in the western world with misinformation and this asymmetry and how relatively easy it is to cause great pain with relatively little resource if you're outside of a country and you're willing to do whatever but yeah we're it's a problem it's a huge problem carter yeah i mean i would just add um the back in the day we used to have uh kind of a, a, a simple, I'm going to say a rule. I'm not sure if it was a rule or not, but, you know, the parties stood together against foreign yeah. entities. And I just don't think we'll see that. I don't think that under little PP, uh, you know, he doesn't have the uh, the chops to stand against India to, to say this shouldn't happen and stand beside Trudeau because he will take the cheap points. Carter. And say, oh, I'm not touching them. You know, he'll say, I'm not touching them, but he won't refute them. He won't stand against. Carter, Christopher Freeland's got a new chief of staff, Andrew Bevan, who served as principal secretary and chief of staff to Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne until she was defeated in 2018, is now going to fill the shoes for Christopher Freeland's uh, empty post left by Leslie Church for chief of staff for both the finance and deputy prime minister uh, office. Carter, are you in or out on this appointment? Longtime loyal liberal? In or out? Uh, it seems totally competent and qualified to me. Again, I remain upset about not getting a telephone call, but thank you for bringing it up. Corey, in or out on this particular hiring? Andrew? Yeah. Is a very serious operator uh, in, in Liberals going back. I know we said, hey, Leslie Church leaving is a suggestion that uh, Christian Freeland is not sticking around. This would be the counter argument. Andrew is that he's like coming a in. serious, serious oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Corey, I'm going to start with you on this final one. Newfoundland MP, Liberal MP, Ken McDonald, for the second time has voted against the Liberal carbon tax. He's siding with the Conservatives. He's saying that Stephen Gilbo is a poor messenger on this particular file. He's too ideological. That's me using words, but I'm not far off. Uh, and, and And the Liberals need to rethink their approach on this climate incentive or whatever we're calling it. Overrated or underrated, the political damage something like this could do uh, to the Liberals. He's a backbencher. I mean, he's not someone that, that, that we know, not a household name, but this is round two that he's voted against. One of, you'd argue, the signature policies of this government. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I will say underrated, but maybe just rated about right. I don't think people are saying this is not a big deal, like not a thing. Yeah. People are saying, oh, wow, okay, this is weird. It could be the first cracks in um, in a in a broader chiseling away of the dam and then the water might just pour out on this particular matter i've said this before and i'll say it again it is not inherently a position of progressive politicians to support a free market mechanism like a carbon tax with like a Mm -hmm. you know know, like an incentives on the back end it was something that seemed to make an awful lot of sense and um and that's why people did it but 
it's really tough for people to kind of sit there and pay more. And I think in some ways, uh, this MP might be a little bit more in touch with some of the voters and be feeling a nervousness that other MPs should be feeling too. And if that's the case, well, um, you know, if, if they start making the calculation that he's right, well, then I think Trudeau's got bigger problems. Carter, Ken McDonald, Liberal MP, voting against his government on, on the carbon tax. Overrated, underrated? Um, underrated. This is, you, this just simply can't happen. Right. This is these things are too important and um, you can't create opportunities for people to uh, undermine your government like this. Um, the fact that he's still in the caucus, you know, he should be gone, should absolutely be gone. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1257 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velge. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and we'll see you next time. So yeah, if you're um, you're still listening, you owe us six dollars, and you can give that to us over at strategistpatreon.com. Bye. <laughs>